Christopher Ray is right now testifying. Testifying about what took place, the Capitol riots on January 6th. Nothing wrong with this whatsoever. Nothing wrong with looking at this whatsoever. Nothing wrong with asking what happened and how it happened. I think that there is this immediate gut check reaction uh, to the idea that, oh, this is just ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. What is ridiculous is to make an argument that only one person is responsible. What is ridiculous is to make the argument that what happened at the Capitol is somehow worse than what happened in the streets of Minneapolis, Seattle, Portland, Indianapolis, Chicago, New York. It's just an absolutely horrific and terrible idea to make the argument that only one thing matters. And this is what's happening across the country. It's all about the white supremacists and the white nationalists and the, and the, the right-wing radicals. If we're not going to be honest about what's happening in the country, how can we begin to have a conversation about it? So let's do a couple of things. For us, let's at least be clear. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Number one, of course there are people out there who are white supremacists. The total amount of them couldn't fill a high school gymnasium, couldn't fill one side of a high school gymnasium. I'm going to say it again, and if producer are you want to argue it, you can. Let's do this. The total amount of white supremacists, the idea that we have these large looming groups that are trying to win the country for white people is not on every street corner. It's not in every other house. It's not in every other business. That's untrue. It is a fear factor conversation without question. That's different from saying that they're not they exist. Well, of course they exist. It's the same exact conversation. We know it to be true. When we take a look at, well, uh, FBI statistics on hate crimes, right? You know I don't believe in hate crimes, right? A crime is a crime. It's not a hate crime. But hate crimes always uh, towards uh, Jews. Jews are the ones who make up the most amount of hate crimes in terms of uh, uh, perpetrated against And it isn't all white supremacists. We have created a fear factor around this idea that doesn't do us any good. Rather, what should do us good is a recognition of things. Did they march in Charlottesville and say Jews will not replace us? Absolutely. And on behalf of all the Jews, no one's looking to replace you. We've looked at your life. We think it sucks. We're good. Thank you very much. But you gathered 300 people in Charlottesville. Now, the number could have been 1,000 for all I know, but the number wasn't 150,000 people strong. There were more people opposing those people than there were those people, which does make me always feel better. That it is somehow the top thing in America and we're not going to pay attention to Antifa when the violence is right in front of our face. Sorry, I won't buy in. It would be 
radical to pretend it's not there. It is equally radical to pretend that is all that is there. This is another great example of our inability to look at a situation honestly and clearly and with focus. We seem to be incapable of doing such a thing. It can only be this, and anything you say otherwise, well, that's, that's, it's like you're not even willing to deal with the truth. Deal with the truth. Deal with the truth. These people hate me. They hate me. I don't know if you've ever met a white supremacist. They don't like Tony Katz. They certainly don't like Aron Israel Ben Label, which is my Hebrew name. They are not fans. You should hear what they say about my mother. The argument I am making is not one of condoning, which is usually how it gets pinned upon me by pseudo-intellectual people who spend no time actually thinking. This is part of the problem. It's It's a complete and total unwillingness to see all of it. It's only one way and you shouldn't be allowed to speak. That's exactly why they get involved in censorship. That's exactly why uh, people on on political sides of the aisle, like the political left, just use terms like racist and bigot and to dismiss you because to have the conversation is to recognize you. I think that we should recognize that a white supremacist exists and we should recognize that there's not a white supremacist on every street corner. The bigotry of Black Lives Matter and those who created Black Lives Matter is real. The bigotry of those who created the Women's March is real. I couldn't get anybody to talk about it. We were the only ones. The bigotry of Linda Sarsour and Tamika Mallory, the Marxist that is Patrice Cullors, these things are honest and real. Just say so. I've got an entire side of the aisle that refuses to note that Black Lives Matter is an organization, is a Marxist organization, and therefore antithetical to the American experience, never mind humanity. Why? Why? You don't think white supremacists were there at the Capitol? Okay. You'd be completely wrong. Completely wrong. You don't think that... A couple of Antifa guys were at the Capitol. You'd be completely wrong. Completely wrong. Now, Christopher Ray, one of the things he said in speaking to Senator uh, Chris Coons was the idea of the, the, do you know for sure, do you know for fact there was this group, that group, uh, the, the other group. Let me, I think I've got the right spot here. Let me, let me share if, if I could, um, some of this with you let me let me see if i can provide you some of some of 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 what took place because well it's it's important it's important to see the wordplay that uh the senator from delaware uh democrat chris coons was using and it was important to hear the answer you know there's a lot of politics in a lot of these things. Sometimes the answer is still the answer. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter if, if, if you want to buy in or not. It's still the answer. The answer is, of course, white supremacists are out there. And it is equally true that they're not on every street corner. 
It is absolutely true that there are racists out there. It is absolutely equally true that the nation is not a racist nation, nor an anti-Semitic nation. I mean, it's just true, factual, clear as day. And the people who don't want to buy into that, well, those are people we should dismiss from honest, decent, rational conversation because they haven't earned it. They're not worth it. And there was plenty so far in this hearing where where uh, members of the Senate wanted to get wholly and solely political. And of course, you're going to see that in, in the social media feeds. I think we've got to do a better job. We have got to do a better job. And we've got to be the ones who are being honest with each other. We, what, what's our option? Honestly, what choice do we have? We have to be honest with each other about what it is we're seeing, about what it is that's happening. And this, this missive that has been going on for, 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 for a couple of years now. Communism. Critical race theory, anti-racism is far more a threat to my children right now in schools, to your children in schools, than white supremacy. That's different than saying that white supremacy isn't a threat. Anybody who thinks they should have control just because of their race is a, is, is, is a threat. Let's take it to, to this uh, here with uh, Senator... Senator Chris Coons uh, and uh, Christopher Ray, who uh, runs the director of the FBI. Let's see if I can do this right. In his opening comments, the first uh, murder by an anarchist violent extremist um, last year, in quite some time, certainly, uh, which was the individual who in Portland uh, killed a, a supporter of an opposing viewpoint. And then the the individual in question, the, the violent extremist, was himself killed in a, in a shootout as the marshals were trying to apprehend him. Thank you. Senator Coons. Um, thank you, Chairman Durbin. Uh, Director Ray, uh, welcome. Thank you for your service and your testimony today. Let me join uh, with my colleagues in conveying our condolences on the line of duty deaths of Special, special Agents Daniel Alfin and Laura Schwarzenberger. Um, it has been a long time since there's been a Special Agent line of duty death, but every loss of life uh, by those who are serving us and protecting us is uh, too many, and uh, we join in grieving their loss and hope you'll convey that to their family. But our purpose here today is to focus principally on what happened in this complex, in this building, in the Capitol on January 6th. Charleston, Charlottesville, Pittsburgh, El Paso, Kenosha, and right here in the U.S. Capitol. These are just some of the recent examples where far-right extremists and white supremacists have terrorized this country, their fellow citizens, and murdered individuals. We all condemn violence by anyone of any political persuasion, but we have to be honest about the significant threats we face, and that's the only way we can work together to take steps to confront them. Um, I think it's uh, critical to that process for us to uncover the real facts of what happened, and given uh, some of the misinformation being spread by some uh, colleagues, I just would appreciate your redressing, readdressing a couple of uh, questions. Um, can you speak with clarity about what we know about the January 6th, the riot here at the Capitol. You've said there have been, I think, 280 arrests uh, so far. Um, has there so far been any evidence 
that the January 6th riot here, the insurrection, was organized by people simply posing as supporters of President Trump's? We have not seen any evidence of that, uh, certainly. At this Is there point. any evidence at all that it was organized or planned or carried out by groups like Antifa or Black Lives Matter? We have not seen any evidence to that effect thus far in the investigation. And is there any doubt that the people who stormed the Capitol included um, white supremacists and other uh, far-right extremist organizations? Uh, there's no doubt that it included uh, individuals that we would call militia violent extremists uh, and then in, in some instances individuals that were racially motivated violent extremists who advocate for you know the superiority of the white race but the militia violent extremists is probably at the moment uh, trending the biggest bucket if you will well you face challenges we as a nation face challenges with extremists of all stripes types backgrounds motivations um, as the new chair of the subcommittee on privacy and technology and law i'm concerned about how um, extremists have used social media platforms to organize and incite violence and in some ways about how social media platforms work uh, to accentuate or accelerate um, those uh, who have extreme views and to potentially radicalize those who now, that's a worthy question about how social media uh, is utilized. And then, you know, when you hear about these things, it gets talked about more. So it is social media accentuating the things. I, I actually think that's a, a solid and, and, and worthy question. But his question about did Antifa organize, that's different than whether or not Antifa was there. I don't think they were the only people there, but we know they were there. And then it was when, when he asked uh, the, the the question about, um, uh, th- I think it was this specific right here. Examples where far-right extremists and white supremacists have uh, terrorized this country. They're- I'll, I'll find it. He asked this, this question about uh, specifics about who did this in the organization. And, well, that's not the way Ray answered. He said, well, no, not this, but this. So Chris Coons was still looking for something that would help his narrative. Narrative is inconsequential on this subject. Data is consequential. There are people out there who hate others for their race. There are people out there who hate others for their religion. And it's happening in a lot of spots. And it's awful. And it's stupid. Sorry, don't mean to use the word stupid. But what else can I call it? It is a worthy conversation of all of us. When we decide we're going to raise one and say this is the only issue and not look at the others, that is not something we should accept. Let us discuss it all. We will at least be honest. I'm Tony Katz. I just have a minute left, but I want to address what I consider the next big lie after the lie that the president really won on November 3rd, President Trump. The next big lie appears to be the argument that somehow or another those were not Trump supporters who invaded the Capitol. It was made the rounds on the Internet uh, right before they came into the building and has been gaining momentum ever since. Can we at least explain to Senator Dick Durbin, who knows better, that this big lie conversation is a connection to the Holocaust? It's disgusting and it's got to stop. I don't want to hear Dick Durbin of Illinois talk about being moral. They keep saying the words big lie. They keep talking about big lie. 
You want to call Donald Trump a liar? You can feel free. Big lie has a connotation to the Holocaust and to Goebbels, uh, Goebbels and, and, and to Hitler. Cut it out. You sound like a nut. I mean, what level of scumbaggery is Dick Durbin into here? And you could say to me, Tony, you could be nicer about the thing. Why? Why do I have to be? I have to hold myself to a standard every four seconds. Dick Durbin can move along this line because there's not a Democrat left that has an ethos of, okay, maybe this is the thing I don't say. Good Lord. Meanwhile, this is all from the, the hearing with Christopher Ray, the FBI director, about what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, let's, let's hear the rest of it. I'd like to ask you, Director Ree, do you agree that the Capitol attack involved white supremacists and other violent extremists? Uh, certainly the Capitol uh, attack involved violent extremists. Uh, as I said, we, the FBI, consider this a form of domestic terrorism. Uh, it included a variety of backgrounds. Uh, Certainly there were quite a number, we're seeing quite a number as we're building out the cases on the individuals we've arrested for the violence, quite a number of who what we would call sort of militia violent extremists. So we've got a number who self-identify with you know, the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers, things like that. Uh, we also have a couple of instances uh, where we've already identified individuals involved in the criminal behavior who uh, we would put in the racially motivated violent extremists who advocate for what you would call for white supremacy. So there have been some of those individuals as well. well One of the well, things that's happening as part of this is that as we build out the cases on the individuals when we arrest them for the violence, we're getting a richer and richer understanding of different people's motivations. But certainly, as I said, militia violent extremism, some instances of uh, racially motivated uh, violent extremism, uh, specifically advocating for the superior of the white race. Do I think he's wrong? No. Do I think that's the totality? No. Is it clear that Durbin only wants one answer? Yes, but there's more than one answer, which is my entire point. By the way, there are more white supremacists that can fit into a high school gymnasium, and producer Ari was very upset that I said that. Just so you know. The fight for $15 an hour continues amongst the Democrats because they think they should be able to manipulate the system to allow this to get through. They are convinced that they should, via budget reconciliation, be able to pass a $15 an hour minimum wage. The Senate parliamentarian said, hmm, no, that's not the way this works. Now, they pointed out that the Republicans once fired the Senate parliamentarian when they gave an answer they didn't like. All right, fire the Senate parliamentarian. What do you want me to say about it? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Be sure to like the page. You can get the podcast and everything at TonyKatz.com. I don't think they're going to do that, though. They are convinced that the $15 an hour minimum wage is the only way to go. And talking about this on MSNBC was Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You know, uh, she's just chock full of good ideas what you might not know is that she has a degree in economics and what i'm going to share with you should make you question exactly how easy is it to get a degree in economics or exactly what did she not listen to when getting the economics degree being asked on msnbc 
Uh, you have Joe Manchin, who's not in favor of raising the minimum wage, right? $15 an hour. 63% of West Virginians, though, they would like to see uh, a federal minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2025. What say you, Representative Ocasio-Cortez? Listen, I think that um, if any, not just Senator Manchin, but any person who thinks that a $15 minimum wage is a crazy socialist agenda is living in a dystopian capitalist nightmare. We're just going to stop for a second and let that sink in. There has never been and there is not a dystopian capitalist nightmare. Every movie you've ever seen about dystopia and nightmares was a socialist one or a totalitarian one. Every single one, whether it was a movie or whether it was a book or whether it was France, every single one is a socialist or a totalitarian dystopian nightmare. Capitalism does not bring forth dystopian nightmares. That's not what it does. Some people don't do as well as others. This is true. Some people have made mistakes. Some people don't have good ideas. Some people never learn skills. And some people just had really bad luck. These are all true things. In order to fix that, you're actually asking for equality of outcomes. Let me now tell you all the ways that I oppose the equality of outcomes. This usually gets discussed with with students when they say, you know, do you believe in things being equal? And they say yes. And uh, somebody worked and got an A and somebody else got a D. And so you give both students a C plus. Is that fair? Is that fair? Well, the answer is, of course, it's not fair. It's it's irrational. But they, there are people out there who will tell you that the grading itself is irrational. There are people who will tell you that math is racist. And that what matters is the effort, not the answer. And the answer to that is, okay, go drive over the bridge that the person who felt good about their math answer built. Two plus two is never five. Two plus two is four. It will always be four. There is no other answer. There is no other answer in front of God or anyone else. There is no other answer regardless of the color of your skin or your religion or your sex or sexual orientation. There is no other answer regardless of your fetish. Absolutely none. Two plus two is four, for now and forever, and every other answer is a lie told by liars. It does not matter what they hold as a weapon. It does not matter how much they charm you. It does not matter how many cookies they offer you or what other bribe they're trying to give. Two plus two is always four, and every other answer is horse crap. There is no such thing as a dystopian capitalist nightmare. The dystopian nightmare comes when capitalism isn't involved. But she's not done letting you know what she thinks. And we should not prop that up. We should not continue that. People are sleeping in their cars. They can't afford baby formula. There are basic goods that people can't afford to live on on $7.25. It is deeply, deeply shameful uh, that we are even having this conversation. Because when you take the minimum wage from several decades ago and you actually account for inflation and productivity gains to today, it should be $24 an hour. So we need other Democrats to understand how deep of a compromise $15 an hour is. You're getting a deal. 
Which is a weird thing for her to say. If $15 an hour doesn't even get you to where you need to be, you need $24 an hour, why is she selling America short? Why does she treat them like crap? I mean, that's what she's doing. She's admitting to it. Right? I mean, I am. I happen to be a believer in incrementalism. You slowly get to the place that you need to be. But they're going to phase in $15 an hour by 2025, and they're still not anywhere near by uh, $9, the $24 an hour uh, that you need, according to her, and whatever mathematical formula she uh, divined in order to come up with this thesis. And she may indeed have one. Maybe maybe she's got one. I shouldn't be so, so un, you know, dismissive of it. It's not shameful to not want to raise the minimum wage. It's shameful to have a minimum wage. I have discussed this many times. The minimum wage prevents the employer and from the employee and the employee from engaging in contract. It creates an, a, a situation where the employee does not have the opportunity to negotiate in their best interest. What Representative Ocasio Cortez believes is that the job should just be given. That the job should exist regardless of the skill set of the person. Nothing has to be earned in a society as rich as ours. We should simply give. It should simply be presented. And people should simply get. There is no conversation to the good that must be created and then marketed and then sold. And then, of course, the transport of that good to the buyer. And then the utilization of the dollars that one receives from selling the good to then buy other goods. None. Listen to what she is saying and you realize that not only does she believe in the $15 an hour minimum wage, she believes the jobs should simply be presented at will, regardless of whether or not the employer actually needs the worker. And by the way, this bill has a multi-year phase in as well. So even if we pass this to progressives discontent, by the way, um, we are talking about a multi-year phase in, which will, you know, really chip away even more. So $15 for his, as you mentioned, his own constituents believe in a $15 minimum wage in almost every pocket of this country you cannot afford rent if you are making minimum wage now if you tell me that the people of west virginia uh would say 63 percent of them i want a 15 dollar an hour minimum wage if i said how about a 50 dollar an hour minimum wage i'd get 100 percent that they responded to a poll is absolutely inconsequential The question is about the economics and the question is about how you're treating these small businesses. And the question is how you view a nation going forward. Not that some people said, oh, yeah, I'd like more money. That 63% to $15 an hour, 82% to $24 an hour, 100% to $50 an hour. 100% of the people, I'd like $50 an hour. But is that the way it works? Of course not. Doesn't work that way, not because there aren't people who are worth $50 an hour, because government cannot set the price. Because when government sets the price, the market can no longer work. I don't believe in the minimum wage now. The minimum wage should be gone now.
People cannot negotiate in their best interest. An employee can't say, or a potential employee, I don't have the skills to do this job, but I'm going to show up every day and work hard. So instead of seven and a quarter, pay me five bucks an hour. Do it for three months. I'll show you I can do it. Then you'll pay me seven and a quarter. Can't negotiate. Took it away from them. Just ripped it apart from them. Ripped it right out of them. She doesn't care about that. Because why should the employee have to negotiate anyway when, after all, the job should be given? And in the United States of America, you should, you know, if you are working a full-time job, you should be able to afford to live. And by the way, when we keep a minimum wage artificially low, it's at a huge cost to our government and taxpayers as well, because there are essentially enormous subsidies to companies like Walmart, Amazon, etc., The low minimum wage is a subsidy to Amazon and Walmart. Target. Target pays $15 an hour. Costco just uh, said they're paying $16 an hour. What is she talking about? What is she talking about? Can you? Uh, maybe there's a job still at Amazon that's paying $7.25. If I were to search... I know producer Ari has done this many times after he hears me talk. Uh, jobs at Amazon. Right? Uh, what, what, what do you think they're paying, uh, Ari? Here, here's Amazon jobs. I mean, that's a, they have a lot of different jobs. I'm sure someone in management is getting paid different than someone doing the shipping. Right, right. So they have 667 open jobs in engineering and IT, 281 in health, environment, health, and savings and safety, 431 in fulfillment center management, Here's fulfillment loss prevention. Here's warehouse and uh, shopper. Two hundred twenty-four jobs. Hold on, let me let me see. Uh, our uh, part-time Amazon Locker team member hourly pay rate fifteen dollars an hour. Part-time Amazon Locker team member in Dedham, Massachusetts hourly pay rate fifteen dollars an hour. Part-time Amazon Locker team member Ashburn, Virginia hourly pay rate fifteen dollars an hour. Part-time Amazon Locker team member Boston, Massachusetts hourly pay rate fifteen dollars an hour. Part-time Amazon Locker team member Minneapolis, Minnesota hourly pay rate fifteen dollars an hour. And it goes on and on and on. Oh, there's 23 pages of it. Let's go to page 23. Let me, oh, wait, no, no, these are different jobs. These are, are, are different jobs, and it's in German. I take that back. I can't go to page 23, guys. Sorry. I'll, I'll go to page three, though. I'll go to th- page three. Uh, here are jobs for between um, $15 and $16.50 an hour. Right? Oh, then there's some jobs in, in England. Here's one in San Bernardino. Uh, that's $15 a, a, an hour. So what is she talking about? And the answer is nothing having to do with economics and everything having to do with ideology. Government providing, government doing, and her demanding that people give jobs to others, regardless of whether they have the skills to actually do them, regardless of whether even not the job is necessary. Pretending that she knows what is good and decent by forcing others to follow her radical, dystopian nightmare. I'll choose capitalism in the markets, thank you very much. Way more kind. I'm Tony Katz. I'm starting to think it's just me and the way I hear Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, and how she talks. Because it could be. It could just be how I hear her, how it hits my ear. I find her outrageously condescending. 
And I, I wanted to know. So I'm going to share this with you. And I want to know if it's just me who's taking it in this way. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Great to be with you. Facebook Tony Katz Radio. And uh, if you want to check out the podcast, you can find that at TonyKatz.com. You should check out the podcast. You should really do that immediately, if not sooner. Jen Psaki is being asked when Joe Biden, uh, when when he's going to do a press conference, because Joe Biden has not done a press conference yet. He's been in office for 36 days. There was it 40 days by now. He, 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 uh, he was able to bomb Syria, but he hasn't done a press conference yet. And people are asking, what's that about? And it's, of course, feeding into the idea that Joe Biden's not okay. I don't think Joe Biden's okay. I've never thought Joe Biden's okay. Mentally, I'm saying the man's not okay. But I'll let a doctor tell me that for sure. I can only go by what I see. I'm not diagnosing. I don't have that skill set. But he hasn't done a press conference. People are asking about it. It gets asked about in the White House briefing room. And this is what Jen Psaki. I don't know if you know. If you know yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Of course you do. The White House press secretary. Here's how she answers the question. And it's just, it's, it's very, it's odd. It's the only way I can put it. So are you ready, Ari? You think you can do this? I, I'm listening. You tell me. Uh, my whole computer just crashed, so I'm, I'm, go, I'm going another way with it. I was, I, was, I was buying time. I'll play it. You tell me what this is. Conference. Not yet, but we will definitely have one. We will schedule it, and you will be the first to know because you're pivotal participants in that. And last question. Is that, she's being demeaning, right? It's, it, it sounds a little elitist. Sounds a, a little elitist. I'm trying to be nice. His um, first press conference. Not yet, but we will definitely have one. We will schedule it, and you will be the first to know because you're pivotal participants in that. And last question. It's kind of like she's patting him on the head, and I can't figure out if it's just me. No, I mean, that one, is spe- like that quote specifically in that tone of voice, I, I get what you're saying. This is like the third time I've brought it up on the show, man. It's like once a week, I'm bringing it up like, hey, this is, she is just demeaning as all get out. She is, she's. I'm not, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? A fan? <laughs> is, is, is that the word I'm looking for? I, I am not. I am, I, I am not uh, a, a fan for sure. Or in any way. No, I, I find her to be just off-putting, and, and this, this is the many, many reasons why. Uh, I should also share with you her answer on Andrew Cuomo. Whether or not she considers Andrew Cuomo to be the gold standard still, or Biden does. Andrew Cuomo's in a world of pain. There's now a third woman. A third woman who says, oh yeah, he was inappropriate. Now this one's interesting. Because it has, to me, less to do with the question asked and more to do with the grabbing. Grabbing... But of what? Oh, I will get into that subject. We we will discuss just that. And uh, I butchered a name yesterday. Butchered the name of Representative uh, Byron Donalds. 
we're going we're gonna to listen to him. Very, very cool talk about being honest versus lying to the American people. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. This is Tony Katz Today.